You know, leadership might be the hardest job for an entrepreneur. You've got to decide that you want that job. You have to understand that it's an obligation. And let's face it, it is hard work every day. It's not for the meek. In this episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast, we are going to talk about the leadership contract and everything that you need to do to make leadership a part of your culture. This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by CloudPhone. You can get big-time, modern, virtual phone functionality at a fraction of the cost. In fact, keep listening. I'm going to tell you how to get 50% off. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz, and my guest today is Vince Molinaro. He is a business strategist, author of three books, including the book we're going to talk about today, The Leadership Contract, The Fine Print to Becoming an Accountable Leaders. So, Vince, thanks for joining me. Thanks so much, John, for the opportunity. So, let's. So often, you know, there are keywords in the titles of books that need to be unpacked a little bit. Um, let's unpack this word contract. What, what exactly is a leadership contract? Well, it's it's really, uh, you know, came about from working with uh, a lot of my clients globally who had been investing a lot in leadership development, but not see it translate into stronger leadership within their organizations. And they were kind of saying, What's going on? And as I spend time really thinking about it, I think what uh, you know, what I believe we need to do is help leaders understand that when they take on a leadership role, they've actually signed up for something really, really important. And, and, and I kind of use the term, it's a, it's a contract. But a lot of leaders aren't really uh, consciously aware that they've done it. And in fact, what I think many of us have done, either to get the promotion, to get the increase in pay, to get the better title, is it's more the analogy of an online contract when you kind of, you know, are online conducting any transaction, that window pops up with all the terms and conditions. And if you're like 93% of the people on the planet, as studies show, you just kind of click agree and never read what the contract actually entails and what you're really held to. And so the contract says uh, essentially that, that there is a contract, you got to be aware of it, and it comes with four terms and conditions that you've got to understand and internalize as a leader. So before we get into some of those, um, you, you know, you don't pull many punches in this book. I mean, you call people out that, you know, leadership is broken in a lot of organizations. I mean, is that, is that because of some of the things you allude to? Is that society? Uh, is that people really misunderstanding what it means to be a leader? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. It's, it's to me that that's what is more fun the most fundamental question I find I have uh, you know, with my clients is what does it really mean to be a leader today? Because the role is more complicated because our world is more complicated. Leaders are under more pressure, more expectations. So the role has gotten bigger, more challenging, but I don't know if we've really kept up with our thinking about what is it that I need to do individually and what do we need to do collectively as a group of leaders to really lead our, our company. And I think we've got some some baggage from the old days when, you know, we used to promote people because they were good, you know, uh, at something technical, uh, you know, best salesperson, best analyst, best accountant, best engineer, whatever, uh, or because they, they stuck around the longest. They had, they had the most tenure and we would move people into leadership roles for those reasons, but not because they were great leaders. And so today, because the role is so demanding, I think we got to pause and think a little bit about what did you signed up for? So the book is pretty direct. It does challenge people in, in leadership roles, 
And yet what I have found in all my, you know, all my work and my talks uh, with leaders everywhere is they're really resonating with it because they, they acknowledge, yeah, it is a tough job. I can't go into it lightly. I have to really pause and I have to make sure it's right for me. And if it's not, then I need to kind of find another way to add value uh, you know, to my company. Well, and I think that's a real challenge because I, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, people that get started because they have a, an idea or, or an ability to do something. And they, in some ways, d- didn't really sign up to be a leader. They don't like that part of it. <laughs> and uh, they'd rather they yeah. didn't have to do that. But in a lot of ways, I mean, that's the job, right? Well, exactly right. You know, I think, and, that, and that's sort of why the first term of the leadership contract is, that it's a deliberate decision that you have to make and you have to know yourself well enough, know what the role demands, what the company demands of you, and then make sure that you're, you're up for it, right? Or make sure you're really ready to do what's necessary to really, you know, step up effectively. So uh, I think in those instances, uh, that, that is a decision that, that one does need, need to make. But, you know, the expectation now, what's interesting is we're, we're expecting everyone to be a leader, even, even, um, you know, employees. I got a lot of clients that say, "No, we need everyone to step up." So that expectation is being put across. So I don't even know if we have that. You know that. Well, you know, I want to do this, but not that. I think that is true in some cases, but I, th- I think we got to understand that we're expecting everyone to step up in more significant ways. Because I think that's what companies need to be successful today. Yeah, and and sort of with that though, we we need to sort of break down the idea of the hierarchical leadership, I suppose, and and it. I mean, if you're talking about everyone needs to be a leader, I mean, that's, that's, that's like describing the culture, isn't it? Yeah, that's a great point. You know, that's the other variable here is that the model of leadership has really shifted and evolved. So certainly when I started my career years ago, it was a very hierarchical model. And, and you know, the, the leadership strength was sort of concentrated at the top. And they were the ones who kind of came up with the strategy and, and communicated the orders. And everyone else just kind of did their jobs with their small teams and and that worked for a long time. But in today's world, what our clients really uh, say is, you know, the world is more complex. One or two leaders at the top uh, isn't enough. We need leadership to be strong in every seat, every chair in our organization. And that's, I think, because, as you say, I think that model of leadership has really evolved and changed and keeps evolving and changing. Accountability is a huge theme in your book. And, you know, as I uh read the book, I I was kind of struck with a point that I don't know gets made enough by a lot of people and that accountability works both ways, that the leaders have to be accountable, but then they have to really uh, demand or at least expect accountability in return. Yeah, I think think that's the other part of the leadership contract that that is this theme of, of, you know, so much of uh, the books that are written, and there's some great books written about leadership really try to, you know, kind of map out here's what I, you know, here's what the great leaders do. And, and that, that stuff is, is, uh, is important to, to know and understand. But when it really, when you really come down to it, I think this connection between uh, accountability and leadership is fundamentally there. Like, you know, human beings, that's what we do, right? We, we kind of, we see someone who we define as a leader, we hold them to a higher standard of behavior. That's the contract. And if they don't live up to that standard of behavior, like we see leaders embroiled in scandal or corruption or bad uh, behavior, we get frustrated, disappointed, and we immediately ask for accountability. Like that person needs to account for their behavior. So I think, you know, I think that connection has always been there. I don't think it's necessarily a new idea that I'm bringing forward, but I think we have to make accountability now more front and center uh, in in leadership. And because as you say, those those two things are, are really connected closely together 
and I have to, and that's, and the leadership contract is, you know, my, my contract with myself to be an accountable leader, but then I have to set the tone for, for others and demand accountability in those that I work with and those that I lead. Yeah, and it's, it's a tough job as a leader, of course, because you, you can't get away with the, you know, do as I say, not as I do. And, and I'm, I'm sure many, many people have worked for organizations where, you know, that frustration was felt because, you know, we were supposed to be a customer first company and the boss, you know, does, does nothing but complain about the customers. And that makes it really tough to do your job, doesn't it? Well, I think so. I think we're always looking for our leaders or looking to our leaders to set the tone. And then when they sort of come up with, uh, you know, uh, different rules for everyone else than themselves, then they're not being accountable. And, and we can kind of sniff it out. I mean, I, I find I've always found interesting, you know, little kids, you know, when they're four and five, they're really good at calling out adults, right? <laughs> when they're saying, wait a minute, that's not fair. You're asking me to do this, but you're not doing it yourself. And so I think it's, again, hardwired in us as humans that we kind of demand that accountability and we demand that integrity between, well, this is what you're saying we need to be doing, and yet you're not doing it yourself. Well, that doesn't make any sense. So I think that's just hardwired in us. So you've uh, alluded to a couple of the um, elements, uh, decision, make the decision, hard work. I think we've talked about uh, obligation. The one that I think is... um, Really intriguing to me is your your fourth element is community. Uh, so I didn't mean to steal your thunder there with the, the four things, but yeah. if, if you want to kind of lighten those up a little bit and and then maybe um, uh, expand on that idea of community. Yeah, well, as, as you said, I mean, the first term is you've got to make that decision. It's that kind of visceral decision to define yourself as a leader uh, and know that you're kind of all in and fully committed. You know, the second one is it comes with obligation and you've got to live up to those obligations because... We expect a lot from our leaders. We've talked about that. As you said, the third one is that it's hard work, and you've got to have the resilience and resolve to tackle the hard work. And a lot of the hard work is around the people stuff, right? Uh, Giving candid feedback, managing poor performers, making tough decisions that might be unpopular for you, but but you know uh, important for the organizations, and and you must you must do it. And then the third term says that leadership is a community, and it gets back to what we talked about: is the model of leadership has evolved. You know, and while companies might still organize themselves as a hierarchy, how we get how we get work done now is is less vertical and much more horizontal. So we're working together uh, across lines of business, across departments, across functions more than ever before, and that's because I think our problems are more complex that we have to solve. The customer issues need different perspectives, and we've got to bring kind of the best minds together. Uh, you know, the corporate executive board has done some, you know, research and surveying among leaders, and, and they're reporting that the co- collaboration has gone up like 60% for most leaders day to day. And and that more and more, uh, what I need to be successful is less on my own effort. It's more on, you know, you know what does John do to make my team successful? What does Mary do to make my team successful? Uh, you know, it, we're much more dependent on others for our own success. And so as a result, the idea of building a strong leadership culture where leaders, leadership is not just strong at the top, but across the whole organization, uh, you know, becomes more and more critical. And so this idea of a community is really, I think, the model of the future. And that's really what I talk about. And in many ways, that's kind of the promise of the leadership contract is to say, you know, you've got to get your, you know, your leadership act together 
And then you've got to commit to making the community strong. Do your part, but work with colleagues across the organization, you know, to execute the strategy, to be agile, to drive innovation, all those things that companies are really working hard to drive and be successful in. You know, it's funny, the last few years, um, there have been a lot of management consultants uh, charging a lot of money to uh, train leaders how to work with this next generation of workers coming in, the millennials coming in. And I, and I yeah. think what you just described is really that, that that's, that's actually just become a preferred way to work. And so a lot of organizations have been caught off guard because they haven't worked that way and it's been tough for them to attract or keep folks that want to work that way. Well, I think uh, it's a great point. I think what has also been missed, right, because, uh, you know, the millennials have gotten a lot of attention. And I think sometimes there's been what I call a lot of millennial bashing, right? We've been kind of pointing out that they're not motivated, they're not this, they're not this, they're not that. But, you know, we, we've, we've uh, uh, you know, my team and I have done global research. And, you know, leadership accountability is a global problem. And it's not as, you know, leadership is not as strong, nowhere near as strong as we need it to be. And it's, in fact, quite mediocre. So now imagine a millennial coming into a company who has high aspirations to kind of want to change the world, have a real impact. And now they're working for a leader that is mediocre. Uh, well, of course, their, their motivation is going to be affected. Uh, and what millennials have done that we don't really, I think, fully appreciate is, unlike Gen X and, and even boomers, uh, they've come in expecting to work for great leaders. And when they find a great leader, they're actually fairly loyal. And, you know, they may not be there for 20 years, but, but you can really, you know, get a lot from them and they're prepared to roll up their sleeves and be pretty loyal and pretty committed and do great work. Uh, but, you know, if they don't find it, what they do is they leave. And I think uh, Gen X did a little bit of that. Uh, boomers just stuck it out no matter how bad it was. And so that perpetuated a lot of mediocrity, a lot of bad leadership because we never were forced to pay attention to it. I'm really curious to see because, you know, uh, the, uh, the research just came out in the last few weeks uh, from Bloomberg that says that next year, in fact, Gen Z, Generation Z is actually going to outnumber millennials. And, and so as they start coming into the workplace, um, it'll be curious to see what happens because to me, that generation actually should be called Generation L. They should be called the leadership generation because they're coming in to organizations already with uh, ideas and thinking around leadership, more leadership development, more expectations of leadership uh, uh, than any other of the previous generation. So it'll be curious to see when they come in, they'll just kind of, what's all this talk about leadership? Because they don't know any other way on how to behave. They know how to network. They know how to collaborate like millennials. So I think that's going to be another change uh, in our workplaces uh, over the next decade as, as both millennials and Gen Z start making up more and more of our employee base. You know, the telephone is still a vital way to do business, but it's changed. The technology has changed, and cloud phone is the answer. It's perfect for small business. It comes with local numbers, toll-free vanity numbers like 1-800-DUCT-TAPE. You can send and receive text messages on your business line. works with any of the phones that you already own, and you can get a ton of other business features like call recording and conference calling and voicemail transcription. Because you're one of my listeners, I'm going to get you a 50% off the Small Business Plan Forever deal. Just go to cloudphone.com slash duct tape. So if I'm listening to this and I am a leader of any type, um, but certainly a lot of my listeners are, are running small businesses, 
are, are there some best practices for getting this thinking started? I mean, it, it's tough. If you've, if you've run your company a certain way for 10 years um, and then you read this book and you go, okay, now I've got it. I mean, it, it obviously becomes a process, doesn't it? I mean, it's not an overnight, yeah. let's start. Yeah. Well, you know, I think, I think what's really interesting is that's where, you know, uh, a small to medium-sized uh, enterprise uh, actually has a lot of advantage over large companies. You know, I, I've been I've been in a couple of uh, you know I've been in three startups in my career. And what I find is that that oftentimes you just get naturally strong leadership because there's an idea from the founder, from that entrepreneur, a business model that's really compelling that just attracts people to say, "I want to work with this person." And and so uh, so the early days are actually pretty easy and the best practices are always kind of in place, right? And, you know, I remember I joined a pharma company that was just starting out, a pharmaceutical company. And my first day on the job, head product manager came to me saying, okay, here's how we work. We had articulated our five values. So, you know, you got to live up to these five values and how we work every day is you're coming into a meeting. We're not taking any notes. Uh, there's no minutes. You basically, your job is to hear what's going on, figure out what you need to do and get it done. That's how we go. Let's go. And that was it. And yet there was there was everybody that was there in the early days were just so aligned and committed to those core ideas that we got, you know, we, we, we grew really quickly until we hit about 150 employees. And as the research shows, that's a funny number with human beings that once you hit that number, then all of a sudden you start actually behaving like a pretty big company. You start getting a bit more bureaucratic, more processing rules get into place. You need that in order to hit your next level of growth. And so the, the, things that, uh, the things that I suggest in the book, I think, apply. That The first thing is you've got to respond individually. You've got to commit to being an accountable leader and really think about you know, what that's going to look like. And then as an organization, you have to define what are the expectations we have of our leaders. What are the three, four, five things that we expect leaders to, to be and do in our company? You've got to really articulate that clearly. So you can attract the people who are aligned to that vision. And then you can kind of start identifying who are the people demonstrating that so we can promote them. And, and that becomes important. So it really gets down to that. In fact, our global research has found only about half of the companies have set clear expectations of their leaders. And so if you do that as an entrepreneur, it already sets you apart from the rest. And then the other thing that needs to happen is the opposite. So the expectations kind of set the vision of the future, which inspires. But then if you find leaders who are mediocre, who just are struggling in their role and they're not really stepping up, you've got to address that. You've got to address that. And, and what our research has, only, has, has also found that only uh, one in five, about 20% of uh, the people who responded to our survey globally said that their organization had the courage to address the mediocre leaders. And so what they do is they say, in conversations, they say, well, I know we know who they are. We just don't know how to do anything about it. So we'll just leave them in their jobs. And the second you leave a mediocre leader in their role, you've communicated to everybody that mediocrity is fine. You're going to tolerate a low bar. And then that just puts you on a slippery slope, which becomes a problem. So I think you got to make that decision yourself to step up and be an accountable leader uh, when you're an entrepreneur uh, and a business leader. And then you've got to set those expectations for others, create them for your company so you attract the best and those who uh, really aligned already to your way of thinking. 
And that already will set you off a, a direction that will be pretty compelling and exciting for, for even a small company. Yeah, and I think you just probably nailed one of the hardest parts of the hard work <laughs> um, is that idea of, of something that feels confrontational. You know, a lot of times it's just easier to not have that hard conversation. And I, I, I agree with you 100% yeah. that, that that just sort of festers, doesn't it? Well, it does. And, it, and what it does, it slows us down. So in the book, I talk about the hard rule of leadership that, that says that what we don't often appreciate as leaders, that when we avoid some of those tough things, and they're legitimately tough, right? If it's, you know, running, running a successful company is not easy. There are tough things. But when we avoid those tough things, and, I, and we know a lot of leaders do, we don't fully appreciate how it makes, uh, makes us weak as leaders, weakens our teams and weakens ultimately our company. But if you have the courage to tackle those issues and make progress, uh, you know, you, you, you really drive, uh, you know, greater, greater success. Because if you don't, don't address those things, they kind of weigh you down. They're always kind of, kind of like you're carrying this big boulder on your, on your back and on your shoulders, and they just kind of wear you down. But if you chip away at them, you kind of lighten the load. So let's finish up today, um, um, making the correlation between this type of accountability, this type of leadership contract, and improved performance. Certainly, uh, your work has uh, hopefully returned um, some correlation. Yeah, well, in fact, our, our global research has revealed, uh, you know, we surveyed over 3,000 uh, organizations worldwide, and uh, we asked in the survey to self-identify, um, the, the respondents to self-identify, is your company, uh, talk about your company's performance over the last three years. And in the last three years, were you a you know industry leader, top quartile? Were you above average, average, below average, or a laggard at the bottom the bottom quartile? And when we analyzed the data, it was fascinating. The industry leaders completely set themselves apart from everyone else. What was most surprising, even above average performing companies, which are pretty good, look more like poor performing companies than they actually look like industry leading companies. So when we cut the data to compare everyone else against the industry leaders, we found that the industry leaders are, are far more satisfied, over two times more satisfied with the leadership accountability in their companies. Uh, they've done a much better job, uh, almost two and a half times better job of setting clear expectations of their leaders. And in turn, they have uh, over two times more satisfaction uh, or confidence that they have more leaders fully, account, uh, fully committed to their roles as leaders. So we're, we're really starting to see a strong connection between, uh, uh, you know, having really strong and accountable leaders in place and a company's performance. We're going to be doing more research to really delve into that, but already we're starting to see that connection. And, and in many ways, it's, it makes perfect sense, right? If you have a, a group of, of, of highly mediocre leaders, they're never going to get you there, right? It, it just the math will never work. And so that's, I think, what's becoming more and more apparent is, you know, we pay a price uh, for tolerating mediocrity. Now, a lot of leaders don't necessarily choose to be mediocre. They're in conditions uh, that, that are there to frustrate or the company hasn't set clear expectations or they've never been supported in their development. There's, you know, it's not all on leaders. Uh, and that's why I say there's things leaders obviously must do, but the organizations and the companies must support them as well. You need that, that dual responsibility. But that, that's, uh, that connection is very clear in my mind now between strong accountability among leaders and company performance. Speaking with Vince Molinaro, the author of The Leadership Contract. So, Vince, uh, where can people find out more about you and your work? Uh, certainly, they can reach out on LinkedIn. Uh, the, there's also www.theleadershipcontract.com. And uh, on there is uh, really the information about the books, the information about uh, the work I do, 
and a number of resources that uh, people could download to learn more about how to bring these ideas into either their roles, into their teams, and into their organization. Great book, Vince. Thanks for joining us, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, see you out there on the road someday. Well, thanks for making time, John. Really appreciate it, and uh, some great questions. I had a lot of fun. Thanks so much.